Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Well, it was still one. Not our best effort. You know, not one we're going to frame. But we did get two points, and they can't take them from us. It's time for Blackhawk 720, your insider key to the Hawks. Kubalik in over the wing line. Right circle closes in. Shoots, he scores! Dominic Kubalik! It wasn't our best, but uh, we still found a way to win it, and that's huge. And the Hawks win in overtime 3-2! to two. Take the Blackhawks to go. Blackhawk 720, the only Hawks podcast worth listening to. And now the challenge is to... Uh, Make sure we're much better. Now, here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand, Podcast Royalty. Happy Snow Days, everyone. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Blackhawk 720 Podcast. Alongside Blackhawks reporter and wearer of all hats, I think, right now at WGN. I think he's running the place as well, Joe Brandt. <laughs> I'm Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on uh, Blackhawks Radio. I hope all of you are safe through the storm, are managing, if you haven't already, to dig your way out. Uh, we'll get to, to some of those challenges a little bit later on as we wrap up the podcast. But it was quite a challenge for the Blackhawks on the opener of their six-game road trip with a 3-2 overtime victory against Detroit, one of the bottom dwellers in the league, but one that had had won two of its previous four games and was opening a six-game homestand as well. And uh, there was a, a bit of uh, grumpiness uh, going around afterwards with the way the Blackhawks played, both in some fans' eyes, the media's, and certainly their head coach, who we'll hear from in a moment. But what it comes down to, the bottom line is finding a way to win. And the, the argument can be made uh, Monday night, Joe, that the Blackhawks were outplayed. Uh, you could definitely make that argument by a team below them in the standings. But as they go through this uh, growing and learning process, um, it was another lesson learned that hopefully they stick in their back pocket and uh, don't uh, go back to very often from this point on. But they were able to overcome a bad team in the Detroit Red Wings who gave them all they could handle. But in the end, they prevail in overtime and they are becoming now masters of of the overtime as well after all the difficulties earlier in the season well first of all if i'm running the place of wgn radio then it's a sinking ship so i just want to retract that statement to begin the show uh happy to be here happy we figured things out and yeah hopefully uh, everyone's safe due to all the recent we are snow. not in the uh pilsen podcast pad today no we are not we're at the uh Home home turf at uh, the WGN Radio Studios, but uh, but yeah, hey, listen, I I like to think that we're more of the reality check podcast about this Blackhawks team. You know, we are here to um, spread the positives of what's going on with this organization and this team right now. And right now, there are a lot of those things. But I think Jeremy Colleton does the good job of being the reality check, and maybe even more on the somber side after a two point victory against the rival Detroit Red Wings. But number one, he's got Got a point. Uh, that's a game that the Blackhawks could have and maybe even should have lost in regulation, but they come away winning in overtime and nearly winning in regulation. Um, but listen, I think Jer- Jeremy Colleton's stance heading into this season was to work on this team's development and make sure the future of this organization was in good hands and in the right direction. And even if you get two points, yesterday didn't maybe quite fully show that, but there's still something to be said about a team that gets outplayed and still wins 
uh, still gets those two points and, again, possibly wins in regulation. There are some positives. There's a lot of positives to pull from that game. But uh, all in all, it's it's just another exciting overtime win for Blackhawks fans. And uh, I, I kind of hand it to the coach for keeping things in check with this young team. To Don't be satisfied just because you get the two points just because that happened. you you got to make sure the overall product is in the direction that you want it to go to. And in Jeremy Carlton's eyes, that wasn't the case. Well, he has to find the fine line between pumping this team tires uh when they need that and uh you know perhaps applying a little bit of deflation when they, when they yeah. need that as well and that was the case uh, on monday night after uh the overtime victory and let's face it in that first period the blackhawks were lucky to get out with a two to one lead they were outshot 13 to six and then in the final period as they're still protecting a two one lead uh since there was no scoring in the second they got outshot nine to three and this comes a couple of nights after they managed just four third period shots and trying to come from behind against columbus that worked that you know they kept grinding and kept working and found a way to even things up and then win in overtime uh, by that same 3-2 score against Columbus on Saturday night at the United Center. And uh, it was just a different way to to handle things. But the, in the end, they, they wound up finding a way. And uh, let's stick tap once again. Uh, kind of a surprise to me, but Malcolm Subban got another. I thought Lankinen may have had the net at least until the back-to-backs Friday and Saturday in Carolina. Uh, but the coaching staff decides to give uh, Malcolm Subban uh, one of these games in Detroit. Uh, you know he's probably going to play uh, over the weekend as well. And for the third consecutive game since uh, opening night, uh, Subban has learned to manage things. It may not always be pretty in the eye test and you know some of the ways where he may fight the puck on, on particular shots but in the end he kept the puck out of the net enough on a night again in which he was tested a little bit too often and uh you know uh, praise be to Malcolm because you know uh, the infrequent playing time hasn't seemed to bother him and he's come through with results I believe let's see over the past three starts he has a 939 save percentage yeah a lot of good things from Malcolm Subban on uh Tuesday night Monday night's victory but how many times are the first words out of whoever's mouth in the in the post game or the press conference after the game? Uh, you know, our goalie kept us in it, and normally it's about Kevin Lankinen, but the past couple of times it's been Malcolm Subban. And, and hey, if these two guys are able to feed off each other this much, that's going to be huge for this team because we saw how important a good goaltender was when the Blackhawks were able to beat the Edmonton Oilers in the first round of the quote unquote playoffs last season. But it just provides an extra spark for this team, and I think more more than anything it just gives them the comfortability or the confidence that they can come away with a victory and I think that game against Detroit was the perfect example of it because again they were outplayed that was a rough first 10 minutes that Detroit brought to the table Mm -hmm. I mean winning battles into the corners constantly putting not only Subban on on pressure but the defense too it just seemed like the defense was not so much overwhelmed but always their heads were on a swivel because Detroit was just constantly supplying the pressure and then it ends up being the Blackhawks squeaking away with the first goal of the game. So that that's why I say earlier you got to give some credit to this team for pulling that out because they're able to do those types of things and I it, it's just the way that the season has gone so much that it's almost not surprising that the Blackhawks were in that position cuz 
I honestly thought heading into this year, it would look more like what the Red Wings have have looked like. Mm-hmm. You know, a slow start, a lot of people thought having that. some trouble, and then you know, outworking the other team and getting close to a victory, uh, and maybe missing out on two points when they should have deserved it. And that's happened for the Hawks, but not for the majority. The majority of the time, they're outworking the other team to pull away that victory. So it's it's really cool to see it happening on the, on the flip side. And right now, this team is eight five and four. So and you got to give credit to them for that. And sitting in. Uh, a playoff position if the if the season were to end here as we record the podcast on Tuesday. We'll get back to that in a little bit, but you hit it right on the head. Chasing the puck. We haven't seen that nearly as much this season as we have in years past. It's because of the system that the players have bought into for the most part. Uh, that buy-in wasn't quite as evident on Monday night in Detroit, but um, uh, because they have some of those things in place and they were facing a team they could get away with um, playing that way and, and coming away with two points. They were able to sneak it out, and hopefully it's a, it's a lesson learned for this club moving forward, especially you know as they face them again on uh, Wednesday night to close out the two-game series. We mentioned Jeremy Colleton uh, not exactly pleased with uh, the overall effort and the overall style of play, if not the outcome. Let's hear from the head coach after that 3-2 overtime win. Well, we stole one. You know, not our best effort, but... Uh... You know, Subi was good for us, made some saves when we needed him. You know, obviously a few guys made some plays to, uh, you know, get us the goals we needed and a couple kills, you know, big play in overtime. So, you know, not one we're going to frame, but we did get two points and they can't take them from us. And now the challenge is to uh, make sure we're much better uh, on Wednesday. And uh, that was the message to the group as well. Hey, Jeremy, what is it about this team that's been able to win in overtime the last four straight after having a tough start to the beginning of the season? Yeah, well, we've been better. Um, not so much tonight, to be honest. We got away with a couple things, but uh, some of it's things even and out after, you know, tough start in OT, but uh, I think we've played better overall in overtime over the last stretch, and we've been rewarded for it, but... Uh, like I said, we made a big play to score. I'm not sure it was the best play to overtime. I know a lot of guys didn't have their greatest game, but Brandon Hagel seems to stick out every night and, and did so not just on the assist either. There were plays in the neutral zone where he was, you know, breaking up passes. They could have gone for breakaways and things like that. Just what you've seen from him, has he, has he over-exceeded expectations at this point? Yeah, he's, he's definitely been great for us. Um, just his energy and his work ethic. And he we, we needed what he brought tonight. We didn't have enough of it. Uh, you know, but he's winning races and winning 50-50s and finding a way to drive the puck deep and give us a little bit of zone time, which we didn't have enough of. Um, you know, we uh, lost his check on the, the first goal there, which was uh, it's going to happen. There's going to be, you know, mistakes when you're a young player trying to learn how to play in the league. But, uh, you know, he he's more than giving back. Uh, you know, he he's, he's really plays hard for the team and, does some of the gritty things that not everyone's willing to do. So the more the the, guy, the more guys you have like that, the better. It seemed pretty uh, dissatisfied despite the win. Just uh, what did you think uh, the team didn't do well tonight? <laughs> I don't. I don't think you were surprised by that. I would hope, but uh, ultimately we're happy with the points. But uh, a lot of different areas we can be better. I thought we we didn't manage the puck very well. We didn't make enough plays on the breakout. We didn't. Um, Hold the puck in the offensive zone. We didn't sustain enough zone time. Didn't protect it down there, which uh, you know you need. You, first of all, to create create offense, but second of all, to, to 
so you're not defending. I thought we were defending too much tonight, but uh, we found a way to win. And uh, again, the, the focus will be on being better so that we can get two points come Wednesday. Do you feel like the team was a little too passive maybe? It seemed just like they were backing off a bit, especially in the defensive end. Well, when you know we weren't clean enough with the puck, so then we're always defending. So it's hard. It's hard when, you know, multiple times we had extended shifts in D zone because we win the puck once and then don't get out and that wears you down. And then you're not as, you don't have as much freshness to get the puck back. And it's hard to create any thing going forward because you've been uh, having to defend. So, um, you know, we will be better. Hey, Jeremy, uh, this is probably a dumb question because points are points, but you guys had a game a couple of weeks ago against Columbus where you lost in regulation, but played really well. When you're coaching a developing team like this, is it almost easier to stomach that loss than this win? Well, you want to win. You, you want to get points. It's I I feel it's easier to teach after you win. Um, you can be get your message across a little bit harder. But uh, having said that, when you play as well as we did in that Columbus game, you feel encouraged about what's going to come if you can just stick with it. Um, I'll probably not sleep as well tonight as I did after that game, but I still like we have the points with us. And last, um, it seems like Andrew Shaw and the little things he does on that power play are, are being missed right now. Is that something you're trying to to find the way he just kind of helps the play along in, in, in the power play? Yeah, it just changes things. You know, the, he missed the right shot in the middle and uh, he does do a lot of things to get pucks back and, and finds rebounds and keeps pucks alive. And, uh, no excuse. We got to find a way anyway. The head coach keeping it real there in his uh, in the four and a half minutes or so that we heard from him following the three uh, two overtime victory over Detroit, and, and that's exactly what he needs to do here. It was an interesting question by Mark Lazarus because um, you know feeling good after a loss as opposed to feeling bad after a win uh, that means you're putting your at least putting yourself into position where the team is growing from what the expectations were coming into the year. But by the same token, uh, Jeremy's greedy like all of us. He wants to see that growth continue game by game we all know that's not necessarily going to happen this year there are going to be games like uh monday nights in which you know they may pay dearly for it and it'll show up on the scoreboard and the goalie might not be able to save them and the special teams may not be clicking um as as at least you know the penalty kill and and the power play have been for the most part this season they came back down a little bit over the course of the last couple of games but that's exactly what jeremy needs to do and uh, his his comment about I thought was very interesting about being able to teach and coach after a victory being easier than it is uh, during a loss uh, in which you know guys may be a little bit more open to being brought back down to earth. This is not a team uh, like the 2010s and 2013s and 2015s where there may be a little bit of an ego involved. I think this team knows uh, the way their bread has been buttered is by following the lead that Jeremy has given them and, and playing in the way of the, the style that, that Jeremy wants them to. And they didn't come close to that in the opener of the, uh, the six game road trip. Well, there's not that switch. I mean, when the, mm-hmm. when the Blackhawks are riding high, how many times do we talk about, Oh, they could be playing a very, very poor game and then flip on the switch in the third period and then come away with the victory that you can't rely on that this year. That's not there this year. So I think the main thing is Jeremy Colleton probably doesn't want his team to get too overconfident with how well everything has gone so far. Um, I think 
That game against Detroit was a good reality check, and the 6-5 loss to Columbus was a good reality check, too, where they kind of let their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Columbus takes advantage of it, and I think that's where these teams, or this Blackhawks team mainly, needs to get a little bit uh, of a humility check, because after that Columbus game, you, you really saw Patrick Kane kind of disheartened because he's he's so used to winning those types of games where you outplay the team, you've got the lead, you should pretty much put this one away, and then the other team catches that surge. So I, I know the main story was after that loss, it wasn't so much, oh, uh, you know, here's a good learning uh, aspect for this young team. Here's an opportunity for these kids to understand what it's like to not fully seal the deal and win this game. They, they were upset that they didn't pull it out because they had their their expectations set that high. So that's a good thing, but I, I think it's also important to learn those lessons. So, so hopefully that message gets sent the same way with this win against Detroit because, again, they were outplayed. They were outplayed almost uh, by, by a huge margin in, in different aspects of the periods. I mean, the first 10 minutes of the first period, I think they had, what, three shots on goal in the third period? Yep, total. So, I mean, that really goes to show you how how much this team can be affected is if they fizzle out. And I mean, that's against Detroit. They're playing a team like Tampa Bay, or maybe we'll see this weekend against Carolina, because you know the Hurricanes are really eager to, to face the Blackhawks again. So it, it's going to be interesting to see if they go through that little bit of a lull against a good team to see how hard that hits them. At Carolina's playing Columbus as the Blackhawks are playing Detroit, and Carolina, Columbus, the Blackhawks, next two opponents after this uh, stop in Motown, and Carolina put a beat down on Columbus. Uh, they fell behind 3-1, and they end up winning 7-3 to on Monday night. And, you know, when, when you look at the standings here, um, the Blackhawks are tied with Florida and Carolina at 20 points each, and that's one behind Tampa Bay, which leads the division. But then it's good that the Blackhawks haven't had to lose any games due to COVID and to postponements. You want to say, stay on schedule as much as possible. What remains to be seen is how well the league can make up all these games, because while Tampa may be on top, they have played three fewer games in the Blackhawks. Florida and Carolina, also with 20 points, have each played four fewer games in the Blackhawks. So if the league is unable to make up all these games into the, quote, end of regular season date uh, without putting these teams and these players in peril where you're, you know, constantly playing five games in seven days, it's busy enough without without trying to add on and make up. They may have to resort to points percentage. And, and right now, points percentage, uh, percentage is strictly determined, and I'm bad at math, but even I know this, <laughs> by the amount of points you have earned divided by the potential points you could have earned. So in the Blackhawks case, they played 17 games. They could earn up to 34 points. They've had 20 so far. So their points percentage is 588. That also, even though the total points puts them in a playoff spot right now, if they have to resort to points percentage, it's at 588. And the league may have to end up doing that. It's just going to be a challenge here with you know the other teams that they are vying with still having to make up some games. And if they're able to do that, that separation is going to become greater if they win those contests. Well, look, it's been an exceptionally fun start to this season, and I don't think bringing up playoffs is totally out of line. I I think we're all being real, though, when we really think about it and say, no, they're not a Stanley Cup contender. But how much do we talk about last year 
the, a playoff run and a playoff experience being so valuable to this younger roster. Well, yeah, the youngest in the NHL, but it, it's gotten even younger now with with a surplus of, of players from Rockford and everyone else coming up. So I'm almost willing to start moving towards that conversation of, hey, let's get to the playoffs just so these guys can really understand what it's like to play in that different type of atmosphere, that whole different animal. But for the right now, it's just really fun to watch this team day in and day out to see how they improve and to see how they pull out a victory in a game that they don't play that well in. I think it's obviously it's it's still beneficial for them because they get two points and there is some learning lessons, but they kind of learn more about themselves as a team and as an identity knowing, hey, we got outplayed, but we still figured out a way to win this game. And I mean, some little things do get shown up, like Brandon Hagel continues to work his tail off and just show what he can bring to the table. Carl Sutterberg with with an amazing pass to create that first goal. Yeah, he's starting to find. I mean, we've we've seen some step backs from some guys. I I thought you know Pia Suter and Philip Kurashev. They've taken maybe their foot off the gas a little bit after we saw so much of them offensively early on, but. I mean, you're still seeing a lot of fun, interesting things about this team. So I think it's a really good opportunity for Blackhawks fans just to kind of watch the game without too much pressure. I mean, I say that sitting here, but who knows what's going on in their minds. But, you know, they don't have to. Not everything is do or die held on to a win. Yeah, and, and we are, you know, even to talk playoffs at this point, we're, we're just a little over a month into the season, uh, a four-month season at that. Uh, it's getting a little too uh, a little too much over our skis. We, we bring that up because they're in this position right now. But realistically, when you look around the rest of the divisional landscape, there are teams that we went into the season thinking we're better than the Blackhawks. Uh, uh, who may be behind them right now and do have games to make up. I mean, Dallas, after their 4-0 start, has really slipped significantly here, but they're a veteran team. You expect them to try and gather things and get their you-know-what together at some point. And, you know, I think everybody kind of assumed that Tampa Bay, Carolina, Dallas would at least be the first three, and maybe Florida and Columbus would be battling for the fourth spot and with the Blackhawks on the outside looking in. Well, now the Hawks have at least placed themselves into that mix. And, um, uh, you know, uh, talking playoffs at, at this point is 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 a little bit foolish i just want to for this sake and for the sake of winning five of their last six and the growth that we've seen of this team at least bring up the point that you know i think they'll be scratching and clawing to at least be in the mix provided there aren't any more major injuries or illnesses or you know uh, they don't get throw off uh, thrown off in one way or another and they continue to play here as consistently uh, consistently as they have recently well and again this team is very capable of hitting a lull and and a, sure. a speed bump and then all of a sudden losing a handful in a row now if it doesn't get to that point I guess I'm not incredibly surprised, but it's such a young roster with with so many learning curves that that is that is still very possible to happen. So I think people need to understand that. But yeah, as of right now, okay, it can still be a conversation piece. And again, I think it's important for a young team like this to have that goal set in mind. I know at the beginning of the year I was talking about, you know, you play a game very well and you don't come away with two points. This is probably the best case scenario because guys improve, guys learn lessons, and you help yourself out with a draft piece if if you're talking that sort of game. But um, again, it, it goes down to, I, I think, a playoff experience could be very beneficial for these guys. And not only that, maybe maybe just the confidence instilled in them of, hey, we can make the playoffs. And then if they don't, they've got that chip on their shoulder heading into next year knowing what they can do. So it's, again, it's, it's everything working out pretty well right now. And I, I think the other biggest thing is 
the series against Columbus. I know they came away with two out of four points, but that was the first opponent that they saw twice. I know I know you see teams one after the other, but it's the first series of uh, a team that you saw for the second time. And I thought that was very important, the way they responded, because I think a lot of teams are going to have chips on their shoulders going into facing the Hawks once again, Carolina being one of them, Dallas being another one. So I, I, I think the way they responded to Columbus is a good sign. It'll be interesting to see how they fare against those other teams, but that's going to that's gonna determine whether or not this team can make a real shot at the playoffs or not is how they respond to teams facing them for the second or third time. This is still should very much be a take-it-as-it-is season. The thing is that the what they have done with take-it-as-it-is so far has been encouraging, so obviously everybody's hopes uh, kind of get up. Uh, we just simply have to let this thing play out. And uh, Dominic Kubelik came up with a pair of goals in that uh, 3-2 overtime victory, including the clincher. And it was the first time this season he has scored an even strength goal all three of his previous goals were on the power play of his 30 goals a year ago 26 were even strength he only had four power play goals last season uh, whereas most of his production so far in the early going this year has been strictly on the power play so uh, he scores his uh, fourth and fifth goals of the season and as he talked with the media afterwards uh, he talked uh, discussed how the team persevered even though they weren't simply at their very best he acknowledges that as well and he talks about getting those first two even strength goals of the season as well as he and his teammates enjoying playing with Brandon Hagel and the four straight overtime wins now after four consecutive overtime losses but that overtime went on Monday night resulting when Kubalik went five hole on the game winner that's kind of like what I what I trying to do in the practice too I mean uh, don't look at the goalie kind of and then just like uh, uh, just put it there quick as possible so uh, really happy to work out and uh, uh, get us the extra point how do you feel the team played in this one? It didn't look pretty a lot, a lot of the times, but you come away with two points. Yeah, you know, sometimes uh, uh, games uh, games are like that. So uh, I think uh, it wasn't our best, but uh, we still found a way to uh, to win it. So and that's uh, uh, that's huge. I mean, again, we had some uh, good stuff there, uh, some good stretches, uh, some bad stretches too, obviously. But I think we uh, we stuck with it and uh, we found a way. Hey, Dominic, uh, how nice was it for you personally to, to finally get an even strength goal and score two of them? Kind of like you don't want to think about it, but uh, you got it in the back of your head that uh, you didn't score so far uh, on the 5-on-5 five five or like even uh, even strength. So so I'm really happy uh, that he went in today. And I think uh, Hags uh, uh, did a great job, you know. He beat the guy with the speed and then uh, uh, just uh, put it in my stick. So, yeah, really happy for it. How impressed have you been with with Brandon Hagel? Not just on your goal, but just the season overall, too. I mean, uh, I knew that uh, he's a great skater, but I didn't expect that he's that he's a that good skater. You know, he he can actually fly. So, so and uh, he brings lots of energy for uh, uh, for the other guys. You know, it's uh, uh, for me personally today. He uh, uh, he made it a lot uh, easier to play with. You know, because uh, his energy, his speed, uh, he puts lots of pressure on the puck. So it's great, and uh, that's. Uh, I think that's one of the things that uh, everybody should do. Hey, Dominic, as you talked about earlier, not really the, the prettiest game, but what was kind of the message on the bench as you went into overtime that uh, you know the game was still there for the taking and you just had to get one goal? I mean, the message is uh, just to grind it out, you know, because sometimes the game's uh, uh, is not going your way or uh, sometimes going your way and you're not able to win it, so... So I'm really happy that today uh, we didn't play our best, but uh, still found a way. 
advance the puck, uh, you know, play in their zone, uh, you know, extend the shift in their zone. So uh, uh, really happy that we found a way to uh, to get two points. How confident are you guys in overtime now having your last four wins all in overtime? You know, obviously we would like to win it like <laughs> in the uh, regular time, but uh, I mean, it's it's still two points, so it doesn't really matter. And I mean, kind of we get guys who uh, uh, who likes to play those situations, so happy that uh that we won again and just gonna keep going and, and build from it after being a calder trophy finalist uh, last year as a rookie it's been a, a start so far of fits and starts for dominic kubalik and you know finding chemistry with the right line mates has something to do with that dylan strome is still trying to find his game and for the most part kubalik has been on the line with strome recently uh jeremy has been mixing and matching uh, that opposite winger, uh, whether it's Matthias Janmark or Brandon Hagel on that side, opposite Kubelik with Dylan Strom, uh, because prior to this, for a three, four game stretch, uh, Pugh Suter playing with Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit was lights out. They were much quieter there on Monday night, and instead, uh, a couple of those other lines were able to step up. Uh, Janmark with Soderberg and Kurashev, and we'll hear from Janmark in a minute, but, uh, Kubelik getting things going as well, and, you know, I, I, I sense, even though even though you know Kubalik had a ton of confidence a year ago, the fact that you need to get him going like most goal scorers do, you don't want them finding or falling into that kind of rut that Alex found himself in last year, where first two seasons were lights out, and all of a sudden reality strikes and the puck isn't going in as easily. That's been the case for Dominic this year, especially even strength five on five, and, and you just wanted him to find some consistent chemistry with the guys he's playing with, because I think that would help him go a long way to finding you know, the kind of production that he saw a year ago. I think so too, and, and also you just kind of hope that he's one of the guys that you can rely on offensively with this younger roster, not only for scoring goals, but for some of these younger guys to look to and always look to uh, being a guy that could pass the puck to or play off of and I think for for the majority he is that but maybe more you'd like to see more of a step forward with that type of category with him I think it's okay to play the hits though too with him still being a factor on the power play I mean he's doesn't he have the hardest shot on the team sure. and, um, I still I still have yet to see that puck go in from Monday's game the the overtime winner I, I haven't seen it. I've seen the highlights multiple times but I still have yet to see the little black figure go to the back of the net but uh, on the score scoreboard score card it says that it did so I'm willing to believe it um, but yeah I mean it's that's just kind of the guy that Dominic Kubelik seems to be too a quiet leader so if he is taking a, a little bit of a, a slow patch offensively it's he, he doesn't look like the most factorable guy, but I, I don't think it's too much to worry about as of right now, but definitely something to keep an eye on. And, and again, it's it's been the success of this team right now that's kind of hidden that. I mean, if, if this team is not winning, then we're talking about a much different problem. We're talking about one of the other things that needs to be fixed in the Blackhawks organization, but but right now it's it's okay that it's just being kind of hidden. It seems like everyone wants to play with Brandon Hagel these days, yeah. and why not? I mean, uh, the guy does everything except score goals. You know <laughs> eventually that's going to come. I mean, he put up uh, 20 in, in, in juniors rather consistently when he played for Red Deer. He was the Rockford Ice Hogs leading scorer last year before he got the late call-up, so it's eventually going to happen, but uh, um, 
there is absolutely no ounce of quit in his game. Uh, mistakes are going to happen. We found one on the opening goal on Monday night when he kind of lost his guy on Detroit's first goal to cut the deficit to two to one. But otherwise, he's doing so many things well. He was the factor in that uh, first goal by Kubalik, second for the Blackhawks with just the, the textbook chip and chase off the wall. And he was able to create a rush and uh, put uh, Kubalik in position to uh, make it two nothing Blackhawks. And uh, everyone seems to be, you heard Jeremy Colleton praise him. You heard Dominic Kubalik praise him. You will hear in a moment Matthias Yen Mark say the same, even going above and beyond, saying, I see a little bit of myself from my earlier days in Brandon Hagel. So um, stock up with the 38 jerseys in the Blackhawk store because he's becoming a real popular guy, but but rightly so. And I think he has every Blackhawks fan really rooting for him based on you know the chances that he's providing, the way he's been playing. He's kind of like the poster boy for what Jeremy wants to see in his team Grant, he wants them to finish a little bit as well, but that's eventually going to come for Brandon, too. That's what I was going to say. I, I was going to say he's kind of the microcosm of this team right now. Just hard work, not giving up on plays, and, and giving it your all with basically every play. I never played uh, the NHL novelty video games, like some of the old school ones, but I always played NHL on PS2, mm-hmm. PS3, and Xbox. Um, I, I just I can't equate what he looks like to other than when you're on fire in NBA Jam, where you got to get him the ball. He's he's going to just fly through the defense. That guy is going to do everything he can to put your team in a, in a good situation. That's what Brandon Hagel seems right now. He's just skating faster than everybody else. He's working harder than everybody else, and he's just putting the team in a great opportunity to get set up for a scoring chance. I said on Twitter, I'm like, hey, if this guy doesn't score any goals, I'm fine with that if he continues to play the way he does. I, I don't think it's it's an eagerness for him to get that first goal that's why he's playing that way I think that's just who he is and and why he fits into this team so well so yeah of course he's a young guy you feel for him you want him to get that first goal especially with him working so hard but you know that his teammates are, are just thrilled with the energy that he's providing right now all right let's uh, hear Yanmark some of his comments you'll hear him talk about Hagel and the praise that he has for him during this uh, stretch of Q&A with uh, reporters after Monday night's victory uh, but he also here discusses you know the growing confidence of this team managing to stay in games even when they're not at their best because uh, they've played from behind a bunch of times I think they've only scored first six times six or seven times so far this season when they do uh, they they come away with points but they have had to rally from behind in a lot of these games uh, and just scratching and clawing to stay in these games and it's the style that uh, Jeremy has implemented that has allowed them to you know rally back and come away with some types of points but Yanmark also talks about his line last night and it was with uh, Soderberg and uh, Kurashev as Brandon Hagel was bumped up to that quote-unquote second line his offensive numbers the sixth goal that he scored on monday night matches his season totals for each of the last two years in dallas he talked about getting wanting to get his offensive game more on track and we've seen that even though you know you're starting to see some articles about horrible metrics involving matthias yanmark you know in the end you know it's it's uh it's the eye test in terms of production and, and what he's doing he had a dip for a couple of games there as he got moved around on a couple of lines but he seems to be coming back same with his line mate carl soderberg and that's what he was first asked about during this q a with reporters about that feed the between the legs blind feed that carl soderberg gave him that set up his sixth goal of the year in a one nothing blackhawks lead uh he's a big guy uh can hold on to the puck i think he draws almost three guys to him so I try to stay away from the play and uh, 
it's hard to make a perfect pass. So I kind of had to give him room to, to put it into an area. And uh, it was a good connection, but uh, that was a great play by him. Kubelik was just talking about how he, he felt like you guys, you know, grinded out this win and it probably wasn't the prettiest prettiest game. But uh, I don't know, is, is this continue to say something about this team that you guys are finding different ways to win games? Yeah, it is. I feel like every game we're in, it's almost a tight game Some sometime in the third. Uh, so that's a good thing that we're in all games. And now we're starting to come out on the right side of it. Earlier in the year, we lost these OT games. So uh, that's big points for us. Uh, and obviously we can play better, but I think uh, the good thing is that we're in every game, uh, it feels like. Hey, Matias, how would you assess uh, the work your line put in tonight? Uh, I think we played pretty good. I think we found a, a good stretch there in the second period where we got some zone time in their end, and uh, we created a lot of a lot of good opportunities. And uh, uh, it was kind of like the, the team... Uh, we grinded it out for, for some shifts there early on and then got the goal. And then in the second period, I think we stepped up our game. And then the third period was kind of some penalties here and there and some different lines. But I think overall we got better and that second period was pretty good. You know, before you came here, you were talking about, um, or when you signed here, I guess, in Chicago, you talked about, you know, obviously wanting to become a more offensive player. Did you think you would reach your goal total of the last two seasons in so quickly in 16 games like this? I mean, uh, I didn't think much when I came here. Uh, didn't put any, up any goals or, or something like that. I just uh, really been focusing on my game during the offseason there after our playoffs. I've been watching some video, uh, trying to get back to to my my old way of playing, kind of, uh, where I have the puck more and I'm creating more. Uh, and I think uh, that's been working. But I, but I said to myself, what I said to myself before the year was kind of give it 10 games. Uh, and then hopefully by by the ten game mark, I'll I've taken a step forward, and I feel like that it took five games kind of, and then I started playing really well. I thought so. Uh, I mean, I'm happy to to reach that, but uh, hopefully, it's about getting better and and hopefully putting some more uh, in the net. So I'm I'm happy uh, to get there, but I, I want to keep getting better. And then you know you've been around for a while. What impresses you most with the about Brandon Hagel? He's playing great. Uh, I can see myself a little bit in him, uh, working hard, skating, creating, uh, responsible defensively. Like, I think it's hard to come in this league. I think it's easy in the start to do it for like five games, uh, but I think he's kept it up really well. Uh, I mean, we're what are we, 17 games in, and I feel like every night he's out there uh, buzzing around and creating. Uh, he's got poise with the puck. Like He's making plays. He's starting to cash in on some assists now, and I think he's playing great. Uh, so the hard part is to keep it up, but I think he's proven that he's able to do that. And I think with him too, he want, he's going to want to keep getting better. I think uh, he can become better uh, the more he plays, uh, and he's looking great. One thing to point out that we uh, have seen over the course, this is the first time the Blackhawks have gone back-to-back games without collecting a power play goal. Um, and, and special teams is, is something you don't want to fudge up against the Detroit Red Wings because after Monday's game, the Red Wings are now... Let's see, 0 for 26 on the power play over their last nine games. They're about 7% uh, accuracy rate on the power play so far this year. Uh, Their penalty kill has gotten a little bit better. So the Hawks went 0 for 3 on Monday, I believe, after it was an 0 for 2 on Saturday. So we weren't expecting the power play to 
click at what, 35, 40% all season long. So uh, the special teams did factor in. Uh, there were a couple of slips against Columbus. They got back on track against this, you know, horrible Red Wings power play. And uh, that's going to factor in. So it'll be interesting to see how much uh, their special teams can um, stay at a good pace in order to uh, keep up the kind of winning pace that the Blackhawks have in winning five of their last six. And especially more so, A, Jeremy, as we look straight ahead at what's in front of us, wanting a much better effort and overall performance along with a result on Wednesday against a team you should and expect to beat in the Detroit Red Wings. And then the the challenge gets a little stiffer as you go into the road contest for the first time seeing Carolina and Columbus. You've seen Columbus four times already. Uh, you know, you got three out of a possible four at home here against Carolina, but the Hurricanes, they're on a roll. Um, and uh, the Blackhawks go in there for back-to-backs on, on Friday and Saturday. And even though you don't necessarily have the the fan factor that you do going into some of these arenas on the road, um, it's it's again that 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 return trip, that return meeting against the team you've already faced, and maybe you fared uh, better than a lot of people may have expected. The tests are are going to start coming fast and furious, especially six game road trip. You come home for five, and then you go on another six game road trip after that. So the picture is is going to become a little bit clearer here over the next uh, course of the next month or so. I think the other thing with the power play is maybe that's why Jeremy Colleton was a little bit more frustrated after Monday's game against Detroit because it, it's the fundamentals that have kind of taken a step back when when you don't when you don't execute on the power play, which had been working so well earlier. It's because hey, fundamentally this team was sound; it was doing the right things; it wasn't overthinking passing; it was. Uh, creating movement with the offense and creating open slots, and and that's why they were executing on the power play. Same thing with just their overall game, five-on-five. If you can just kind of weather that water and just coast and capitalize on the power play, that makes up for a good team. So when you see that take a step back, I can see why Jeremy Colleton might be a little bit more frustrated than most coaches would be after getting two points. And and going back to, to Carolina, again, that that's a team I think is going to be very eager to play the Blackhawks because they just seemed kind of defeated, kind of deflated after they left Chicago with with only uh, two points out of the possible four, and, and the Blackhawks come away with three of them. So um, it, it, it's going to be, I think, a re-energized Carolina team. I wonder how the back-to-back, you know, Day in and day out uh, matchup will fare for the Hawks. Uh, did you see the thing that Calvin DeHaan said too? That he hopes the schedule moving forward can uh, resemble this kind of schedule a little bit more. He, yeah. he likes the idea of going to a venue, playing a game, and then not shipping off right away. I, I can respect that. I can see why players might like that. And I, I wonder if that has any sort of future in, in the NHL schedule I moving think, forward. I think it's real, very realistic. And Troy and I uh, discussed that topic and used that soundbite on the pregame show uh, on Monday as well with Calvin talking about that. And it's, it's ironic that um, a couple of years ago, Jonathan Taves was was railing against the travel schedule. Yeah, that's right. I forgot going, about that. Going into one city, leaving right away. Why not? If you're you know in the Western Conference and you're going to be taking two trips to Calgary anyway, knock those two out at the same time. Knock yeah. the two out at Edmonton and then have the same thing happen. And then within your division, obviously 
when you're playing the East Coast teams and just doing one road game, one home game each season, it's got to be a one-off. But, you know, as long as you're in your conference and within your division, uh, it, it stews up the rivalry even more. It's less wear and tear on the players. And Calvin Hahn's a big fan of that. And I brought up the point with Troy, Joe, that uh, for the sacrifices – and Grant, everyone's making sacrifices in these times, but in order for the league to pull off this season what they have asked the players to do, uh, even more so here lately with their behavior on the road and what they're allowed to do and not to do, that in future scheduling, they'll give them that carrot. Okay, we'll play your two games in Calgary every year you know, over the course of three days so you don't have to go back there again later on in the season and you're not jumping on a plane immediately afterwards to go to your next town i i i think that the league will will offer that carrot eventually and i think that's going to be better for the players it's going to be more entertaining for the fans as well well not only that and and i don't know because obviously you know what the schedules looked like in the past but you don't quite know how the traveling aspects of the schedule looked like in the past why not like say another team aside from the blackhawks you play the blues and then you can go home, or I'm sorry, you go back to your hotel after that game against the Blues, and then the next morning you wake up early, you go to the Black, you go to Chicago to, to play the Blackhawks. You know, why can't it be structured that way? And I know most times it is, but, but to the point where you don't have to, because that is, I mean, from a much smaller scale on the traveling minor league baseball side of things, <laughs> to play a game and then to pack up and get right on the bus, yeah. th- that takes a lot out of you. So I'm hoping that they can learn from this season to see the benefits of a more favorable travel schedule for NHL players. I mean, we're talking about professional athletes with professional bodies that need to take as best care as they possibly can. And get paid well and are in the best hotels, Yeah, and still. I mean, And I mean, come on, but you've got the accommodations to do it. I, I think it's it's just very possible, it's very plausible, and, and hopefully they do learn from this moving on, And because... I mean, that's got to cut down on travel expense, expenses too. I would assume. Yeah, and it's just going to and it's just going to heat up rivalries as yeah. well. You know, if you're if you're, you know, down there in the same city to play two games in three days, and then they come back and do the same thing a little bit. You know, even if it's just even if it's just two at a time, the fact that you're facing the same team one right after another, uh, you know, I think adds to the entertainment value that we'll eventually see here that the the league will adopt consistently. Yeah, no, I I think so too. Um, and it, it, right now it's fun to see how a team responds the second day facing them and then oh by the way we're playing them in a week or a week and a half so it'll be interesting to see how they respond to that so yeah i i, I agree with you that that aspect is is i think can be very good for fans speaking of, of travel uh we mentioned at the top of the podcast we we are not in the pilsen podcast pad of joe brand so we don't have uh our our mascot plankton uh joining us either um, so, uh, we understand he's in, in good hands. Joe's wife has a snow day with, uh, with her, her students. So, uh, we don't have to worry about, uh, Plankton. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought leaving here on Monday night, uh, and uh, me having the luxury, uh, very lucky to have a place I can stay here uh, downtown on, on nights like that were Monday rather than travel out to the suburbs. I was able to employ that. And then I got thinking, hmm, is there really going to be even the chance of a street parking spot by Joe's podcast Pilsen pad? <laughs> no, 
I don't think so. And uh, you had your own tra- – speaking of travel, you had your own traveling issues here. It's a short ride. You occasionally ride your bike here in the summer, right? Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's about it, – on a good day, I can get to the station in 15 minutes. I mean, we're, we're On your ta- bike? Well, no, not on my bike. On my oh, bike, okay. in my bike, about 20 minutes, I would okay. say. But, yeah, driving. All right, Lance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just know all the shortcuts. Uh, yeah, no, today was an adventure. I, I was supposed to be here at 4 a.m. doing some news. And uh, ended up getting here around 4.30, 4.45, but the bosses were cool. They obviously understood the circumstances. But this comes from me being totally prepared. I made sure I had a spot right in front of the building. Now, I have a smaller car that does not have four-wheel drive, uh, only front-wheel drive. I shoveled out my spot, not a dib situation. I just shoveled out my spot to put my car there right after. And I woke up this morning. I knew my wife's car was available, which is much bigger than mine. I'm I'm taking that on these roads, and her car got stuck. So then I went back to my car, realized there's no way I can take my car. I had to shovel out her car and uh, straggled in here a little bit later than anticipated. But luckily still got here. Um, I think a lot of people had the same problems I'm as sure I you did. were not alone. Yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> man, we got to talk to uh, Kevin McDonough about maybe getting the Pilsen Podcast pad sponsored. I think so. Uh, I we're, think so. We're, would you say we're on a we're – not, we're not on a PK here uh, <laughs> doing it at the WGN Studios. This is a very fine establishment and, and even better than the Pilsen Podcast pad. But. And, and, and with a view, as long as you're in, the, in the warm kind confines here i i I tweeted out uh, a picture prior to the pregame last night at what it looked like out the window and you could basically see nothing (laughs) and then this morning where the skies are clear but uh, the uh the river and the lake are uh, a sheet of ice and snow but you can see it instead well right now looking out to lake michigan it it looks like alaska it looks like antarctica it's just nothing but that thin white line right, just a, and it's just nothing but white sheet of ice and snow and we can report that no one is is on the ferris wheel over at navy pier um, <laughs> on tuesday morning no brave souls as today. well uh, so that's a wrap for this edition of the blackhawk 720 podcast we'll come at you again sometime over the weekend early next week after the blackhawks play those back-to-backs friday and saturday in carolina they do have a two-day gap before uh resuming action at columbus on tuesday so we're thinking sunday but sometime in that window we will have our next edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Uh, we encourage you all to subscribe once again so it's uh, sitting there ready, waiting for you whenever we send a, a fresh edition out. But you can keep tabs on us as well by uh, our Twitter accounts. I'm at at Bowden Tweets. Joe is at Joe underscore brand one. Also via WGN Radio as well and the uh, WGN uh, Radio.com page. But uh, we'll let you know when another one comes out. So uh, stay warm, stay safe, stay happy, uh, stay, stay happy if you can, everyone. Blackhawks are uh, making everyone happy with the results of late. Once again, five out of six, eight, two, and four over their last 14 contests as they head into stop number two of the six-game road trip in Detroit on Wednesday. Our thanks to Ernie Scatton as well as our producer, Curtis Koch. For Joe Brand, I'm Chris Bowden. Stay safe and warm, everyone. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks 720 podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great.